If you guys uh, have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 19. And if you need a Bible, we have Bible guys back there. So raise your hand if you need a Bible. It'll be helpful for you to read along this morning. So if you need a Bible, let us know. Have you ever heard somebody encourage you to use your time well? Probably. If you have a mom or a dad or somebody who's in authority in your life, you've probably heard them tell you, use your time well. And there comes a point where hopefully you start in life to learn some lessons about using time well. Most of us have uh, probably had that experience of, of learning a lesson the hard way, like you don't finish a homework assignment on time or as well as you should have, and you've learned that you did not use your time well. Uh, for me, I can remember it very well. It was sixth grade. I think I've maybe even talked about this before. It was the Canadian Province Notebook Project. We were supposed to do this assignment where you did all this research on Canada, on a province of Canada. Mine was Alberta, Canada, and I did none of the work that I should have until the night before. And that's when I freaked out because I hadn't done any work. I did not use my time well. Anybody else here ever done the Canadian province notebook? Nobody else, probably. I don't know anything about Alberta, Canada to this day. But, uh, but you know this in your own life. Uh, maybe it's a sport that you haven't put in the work for. And you haven't practiced and get to game day, and it turns out that you are unprepared. It's obvious to everyone, it's obvious to your team that you didn't use your time well. Or maybe it's a new instrument that you've been practicing, the alto saxophone. You've been taking lessons, but you never really practice. And you get to the recital day up there in front of everyone and start the performance, and everyone knows that you didn't use your time well. And it's at those points in our life, whether it's a Canada notebook or an assignment or a sports team, where we can kind of easily look back and think, what was I doing with all of that time that I had? I think the Bible talks about this as the word stewardship. Uh, That's a principle that we learn in the Bible. It speaks of using things the right way, of of using your time and your talents and using everything that God gives you in the life that you have now well. And Jesus, this morning, wanted us, he wants us to think about stewardship. He wants us to think about how we use our time and our talents, how we use everything that God has given us in this life. This book, Luke, is all about Jesus Christ. Luke wrote so that you could meet Jesus, so that you could know what his life was all about, and so that your life could be changed by knowing Jesus. And Jesus here in this passage, we find as he is going to Jerusalem. And here we find that he is very concerned about your 
stewardship. This is a message that's it's serious and it's important for each person in this room. All of us have a stewardship. Are we using our time, especially our time now, to respond to Jesus Christ? And will you be ready in the future one day when Jesus returns? And will you be able to look back and say, I used my time well? It's a very important question, and that's what Jesus gets at this morning. And a big idea that we could see from these verses in Luke 19 today is that Jesus wants us to live for him now so that we are ready when he returns in the future. Jesus wants us to live for him today so that we are ready when he comes back. And to do this teaching, Jesus taught in a parable. It's a made-up story that has a lesson for our lives from God. It has a true uh, point, a truth that matters for our life, even if the story isn't a true story necessarily. And we find this starting in verse 11 here of Luke chapter 19. And you can read here with me. Luke wrote that as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Jesus said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your minna has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little. You shall now have authority over 10 cities. Verse 18, and the second came saying, Lord, your minna has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money into the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the minna from him and give it to one of these who has 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minas. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given, but the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. This is a serious message from Jesus. It's a warning message for us. 
And this parable is really Jesus wanting us to be ready, living now, so that we are ready when he returns. That's what this parable is about. And Luke writes here in verse 11 that on this day, Jesus, as he is about to teach this message, was on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to this city, Jerusalem, and he was not going to stay in Jerusalem. The people that were following Jesus up to this point thought that Jesus was going to go into this town and he was going to set up a kingdom and rule on this earth and be a king forever. But Jesus had a different plan right there. Instead, he was on that day going to go to the cross in Jerusalem. He had a plan that was unexpected by the people. He was going to suffer and he was going to die and then he would be raised again to life. And then he would leave this world and go to heaven one day to return. That's where we live right now in this time here this morning in the basement in 2023. Jesus has already gone to the cross. He has been raised again to life. He has gone to heaven. But the Bible tells us here that Jesus will one day come back. We wait for that, even this morning. Jesus wanted people to know that he was one day going to come back. And he wrote this or spoke this parable, Luke wrote this, so that you would be prepared. I don't think we always think of Jesus that way. I think sometimes it's easy to think of Jesus as this guy that you fill in on coloring pages or uh, this guy that lived and he really did live a long time ago and he died on a cross. But Jesus also lives today. And this is telling us that Jesus is going to come back to this earth to one day be the king over all things. Jesus would one day say that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has authority over our lives, even as we live now. And this parable, there's kind of a lot going on, a lot of details, a lot of characters moving about, but I think we could think about it this way by asking two questions this morning. I want to ask you two questions that are very clearly taken from these verses. And the first question we could ask, number one, is this. Will you live for Jesus now? Will you live for Jesus now? This question comes from verses 11 through 19 of of this parable. That's what Jesus wanted us to think about. In verse 12, Jesus tells the crowd there a story It's about this noble man, a nobleman who goes to a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. And verse 13 says, he calls 10 of his servants and and gives them 10 minas so that they could engage in business until he came back. This is kind of a weird thing for us to hear today. Like we don't really think about kings and kingdoms very much. Uh, When you think of a kingdom, you might think of like, you know, Great Britain, or you might think of Burger King. But in the time of the Bible, this was very real. 
They had kings, they had rulers. And this kind of thing actually happened where somebody uh, would go away, a noble, important person would leave and would come and, or go and get authority and would come back and then be in charge over people. And that's what's happening here. This man's gone away for his long kind of business trip and he's going to come back to be the ruler and the king in charge. But in verse 13, we see that before he leaves, he also gives his servants something to do while he's gone. He gives them their responsibilities. He says, engage in business until I come back. He gave them a directive, a command, and and what they were to do was to take this amount of money, that's what's called a minna here, it's just an amount, and they were to use that amount well. With it, they're supposed to be faithful. They're supposed to be trustworthy in doing what their noble master wants them to do while he's away. And in in fact, that's just what happens in the story. We hear about two servants there in verse 16 and then in verse 18 who both obeyed their master. They did what he told them to do. They served him well by using the minna, using the money the right way that they were supposed to. Maybe we've had something like this in our own life. I know I have. I once had a fish. Uh, His name was Boomer. Uh, And you maybe have had this too, where you go out of town, but you need somebody to watch your fish. Has anybody else done that before? Some of you probably have. Yeah, you need somebody to watch, watch your fish. And so you have asked, you've entrusted a friend to take care of your fish while you're gone, right? Now, there's only two things that can happen with your fish while you're away. Your friend could either take care of your fish or your friend could be unfaithful and could not take care of your fish. And when you return, you will either find your fish dead, like I did with Boomer, floating. I know. Dead, floating in the top of the bowl. Or you will find your fish well. Your, your friend has done well. You, were, you will say, well done, friend. Uh, when the man in Jesus' story here returns as king, these two servants have done well. And he says that they have been faithful with the money. According to verse 17, he says they are good servants while he was away. They have done well in living in a way that honored and pleased their master. And now he returns as king and they receive from him a loving reward because they've been faithful. What's this story from Jesus about? Why is he telling this up to this point? Well, I think all of this is is meant to make us think of Jesus. That's why he told this. And Jesus, like the noble man in this story who went away, has also gone away. He has left this earth and ascended to heaven with the Father. But Jesus, like this man, will also one day return. And he will come back to receive his kingdom. 
And while Jesus is away before he comes back to rule as king one day, he has given us an opportunity now to live for him. And to live for him well, to be faithful, to be a steward. Now, hear this. This is not a story about doing stuff so that when Jesus comes back, you are okay with God. Like you've worked your way back to be saved. This is not a story about salvation. We know that salvation is something that can only be accomplished through believing in Jesus Christ. Jesus just has said back in verse 10 of this chapter that he came to seek and to save lost people. Salvation is something that he wants to accomplish in your life. And no amount of our own works could make us pleasing to God. That's only something that Jesus could do at the cross. And that's the only way that we could be covered with righteousness. Those who have trusted in Christ are saved. But here's what this story is about. It's about people who truly are saved, who have already been saved by faith in Jesus, and who now live their lives for Jesus while he's away. This is about people who want to honor and please and serve and be faithful to obey their master, knowing that he is coming back. This is a a parable about being a faithful Christian here now. You know, there are some really good biographies written about Christians out there. And we could all probably recommend a few for you. You should ask your small group leader, what's your favorite Christian biography? And they'd probably tell you. There's some great stories about missionaries and about pastors and about uh, ordinary Christians who live great lives serving Jesus. But you know what I love when you read a lot of those biographies? It's that sometimes you find people are way younger than you might think that they start living for Jesus. It's people who one day go on to become great men and women of God, serving Jesus in ways that we are in awe of. And it all started when they were 11 or 12 or 13 years old. They started, and taking, they started taking seriously living for Jesus Christ now, while they were in middle school or even before middle school. We are not too, you are not too young to live your life committed to serving Jesus Christ, to obeying what he commands you to do, to repenting and believing and and keep on repenting and believing, to fight sin as a Christian, to flee temptation, to follow his word, to love other people, to obey your parents well today, to serve Jesus with all of your life today. That doesn't mean you have to become a missionary. It just means you're a faithful Christian. I wonder how amazing it would be if you could talk to yourself in high school in a few years. 
and you could hear from yourself, high school you, that you were so glad that when you were in junior high, you were living your life totally for Jesus Christ. How awesome would it be one day for you to talk to yourself when you're an old person and say, when I was in junior high, I was living for Jesus. How awesome will it be one day when Jesus really will return and you will meet him and he will call you a good and faithful servant, even from when you were in junior high. It's not too early to start serving Jesus. I think that's what this parable makes us think about. Will you live for Jesus now? Jesus wants us to live for him now so that we are ready when he returns. But then there's another question and a a final one that these verses also make us ask. And it's this. Number two, will you ignore and will you reject Jesus now? Will you ignore and reject Jesus now? This comes from these last verses of the parable in verses 20 through 27. We meet a few other people in the story here. In, in verse 20, uh, after having met the first two servants, we meet another person just called another. And in verse 20, look at what this guy says to uh, the noble king when he comes back. He says, Lord, here's your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid because you are a severe man. Now, this is something that should kind of make us have like a siren going off. This is not a good response. This was a bad response of someone who ignored what the king told him to do. Instead of listening to his master, the king, he has ignored him and he's done nothing with the money that he was given. He's taken the minna, the money, and he's put it in a handkerchief. Does anybody here use a handkerchief? You do? Awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I I know like my grandpa used a handkerchief. Uh, My dad used one. But basically a handkerchief is, it's like a Kleenex that you never throw away. You just wash it, which is kind of gross, I think, but it's also kind of cool. But a handkerchief is good for, you know, wiping the sweat off your forehead or blowing your nose or uh, whatever. But a handkerchief is not good for storing money. It's just a bad place to put your money. And that's what this man has done. He's put his money in the worst place. He's been foolish. He has not listened to what his master told him to do. In fact, he's done something just plain foolish. Remember your friend who watches your fish while you're away? I think this guy's kind of like the friend who let the fish die. He's been ignoring what the master told him to do the whole time. And really, it seems like this man doesn't actually understand how good his master really has been. Instead of listening and, and caring about this kind master, he's instead started to blame the master and and sort of accuse him of being a bad guy. In verses 21 and 22, he he makes all these excuses. He, He blames his master. This isn't my fault. It's your fault. 
You're the one that gave me this in the first place. Though he even seemed to be a servant of the master, turns out he probably never really was a servant of the master at all. And this is sad. In verse 24, the master says, his minna should be taken away and it should be given to one of the others. But then there's another bad response we kind of find in these verses here. It's not only the person who ignored, but also the person who rejected the king. And there's many people here in this story who reject the king. If you go back to verse 14, we met this group of people, and it says that they hated the master, and they sent a delegation after him. We do not want this man to reign over us. Remember them? Well, Jesus brings them back up again. And as the noble king returns in verse 27 at the end of the story, we hear what happens. They did not want the king to to reign over them and they would be judged in a shocking way, according to Jesus. At his return, they would face judgment from the king. What's happening here? Why is Jesus telling this kind of like almost scary story? Well, again, all of this is made to make us think about us and Jesus. Because Jesus, like the noble king, has gone away. And Jesus, like the noble king, will also return in real life as king over all things one day. And he is in all authority over everything in heaven and in earth and in your life. And while Jesus is away, before he comes back, before he comes again to rule, it matters how we live. He's given us an opportunity, even now in this life, to live for him before he comes back. These verses tell us that some people, according to Jesus, will ignore him. Some people will reject him. We see this all around us, all the time. People who don't get Jesus for how good he really is. They think that their life would be so much better if they did it their way without Jesus. But they don't know that Jesus will return. Jesus, when he returns, will call all people to him and all people will be accountable to him for how we lived this life. And this whole book, the Bible, is filled with stories of men and women. But you will never find a story that ends well for someone who ignores or rejects God in the Bible. In fact, if you look at every person that's ever lived this life, you will find that it never ends well for people who reject or who ignore Jesus. That's what Psalm 1 talks about. You probably know that psalm if you've grown up in the church, but the last verses of it say this, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Jesus in this story he gives simply wants you and me to hear about 
the time we have now before he will come back. We've heard this warning all throughout the Bible about the danger and end of of your following after sin. It will only bring judgment from the king. If that's you this morning, you need to know Jesus as the savior of sinners. Jesus that you can't get right with in your own works, but who can save you apart from works by grace. He can save you from your sin. He can forgive you. If you look to him, he will rescue you. He gave himself for our sins, Galatians says. If that's you this morning, somebody who is ignoring or rejecting Jesus, you need to repent and to believe in Jesus. You need to be forgiven by Christ because he is coming back. And he is in authority as the king. Will you ignore and reject Jesus now? Jesus calls you to believe in him now, to live your life all for him, to serve him, to follow him, to obey him, and and to be ready for when he returns. These are important questions for us this morning, that we would use our time well. Jesus teaches us to use our time now well, doesn't he? And a day is coming when we will look back, each one of us in this room, and we will say, what was I doing with my time? I hope for you, you can say, I was living for my master. I was living for Jesus. What will you say when Jesus comes back? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are in authority and that you are coming back Thank you that those who believe in you will be saved. Thank you that you uh, have given us this parable so that we would think about that important truth about your return. Lord, I pray you would work in every heart here so that every person here would use the time well, that they would believe in Christ and follow you. Thank you for your love for us, that you came to seek and to save sinners and that we can now live a life that's all for you with great joy in this life and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.